0: Hello, hello, hello. It's been a long time coming, but we are back for another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc podcast. Been through a lot these last few weeks. Gentlemen, how are you?
1: Surviving. wife. Happy to be. And all that good stuff. Doc, how are you? I'm doing well.
2: I'm doing well. I was uh, quite nervous like a lot of people. Over the last week, uh, we're very fortunate, blessed. I guess the best way to describe it, Uh, we had the volunteer evacuation and we held out, we're ready to leave, essentially when they release a mandatory evacuation, which was very close to where we were, but uh, while we were basically flooded into our residence from the entrance into our complex, our housing subdivision, I should say, we never got to flooding on the streets, so very fortunate, very blessed, no leaks, and uh, ready to move forward, and obviously uh, support those that were certainly affected, so first thing is my heart, and blessing goes out to those that were not as fortunate.
0: And uh, I add to it, I had no water in the house, the streets were flooded for two days, whatever, couldn't go anywhere, the neighborhood was like an island, but uh, I had enough food and stuff, for four or five days so we're all good let's get into it give a shout out to a couple of people sports wise head coach kelvin sampson and his t-shirts and tennis shoes initiative that he well really his son and daughter helped him implement that went viral and and spread all across the country and, and i think some parts of the world people have responded with T-shirts, shoes, money, gift cards, phone chargers—what, what, what have you—and have been mailed and will arrive. At uh, some have already arrived. The 35 boxes of stuff has already arrived on campus at the uh, Guy V. Lewis basketball facility. But over 1,400 people responded, confirmed via Twitter, that they were sending something, and others have also responded, you know, anonymously. So. Earlier today, Coach Sampson said that uh, at last count, they expect over 125,000 T-shirts and over 20,000 pairs of shoes to be shipped to the Guy V. Lewis Basketball Center and as well as U of Campus Athletic Center. So they have a lot of things to sort through based on size, you know, gender, male, female, and then they'll ship out to the different facilities. But doc, I gotta get your take on this. I didn't, I thought about it, but I didn't really, it didn't register. During today's press gathering, Coach Sampson told us that they cannot send any of the merchandise items to HISD, school districts, because it'd be
1: perceived as like a violation. Yep i just, it, I found that somewhat preposterous, interesting, and one of those backdoor rules that the n c two a has five printed and put in the manual and nobody knows about it until it actually happens, I just violated. I don't quite understand it anymore. Say you fellas. Well, I never have understood it, and
2: I don't think it's really one of those backroom rules. Uh, that's on page 57 or 58 or whatever page of the manual. Essentially, what they're saying is, is that HISD are recruitable athletes. And so, really, it's any high schools for that matter that are potential recruitable athletes for Houston because it would look as if they are providing uh, gifts. And uh, according to the NCA, that's a violation. You hear some of this talk uh, with the uh, uh, other cases scenario, but this is a case where, obviously, as you eloquently talked about, uh, Woodley, is the fact that um, this is backwards because this is an emergency situation. and It's obvious that they're trying to provide comfort for those that have went through a tragic situation. Uh, but that's the NCA. I mean, that's the beauty that everybody says they love, and that's what we allow the NCA to get away with. Because we as a people refuse to stand up to them, and we like to live up to these ideas that amateurism is somehow important. And until we as a nation realize that this is ridiculous, we'll continue to see cases where we know it doesn't make sense exist because they're trying to live under the facade that uh, this is serious, that, that that there's no way the athletes should be compensated and things of that nature should be recruitable. So when there are real issues out there, we're we just going to look the other way and be like, well, that's the NCA, and they have the authority to do it. So it's really sad because these are obviously some high schools that are really going to need this material. Uh, I mean, these shoes and shirts in regards to people that are displaced and have little to nothing, and because of some rule in the NCA in regards to the spirit but they can't do it. And so it would be interesting if somebody stands up and they become a little wiser, but they would have to get a lot of bad press before they would decide to overlook the rule.
0: It's sad and it doesn't make sense in a basic on a basic level because the opportunity to send what you want to send is open to every school. Division one, Division two, three, JUCO, NAIA, etc. So it's not like anybody is gaining a perceived recruiting advantage. But the way they look at it is, is because U of H is the one that is dispersing
2: that they are getting uh, the advantage. And again, you all are making logical arguments. Correct problem is is that the NCA does not work in a logical framework that's not what this is about it's about governing it's it's about protecting uh, itself it's about protecting the big powers and what they believe are rules that quote unquote the integrity of the rules and and their old antiquated rules and again it's not about whether it makes sense. It's about them doing what they want to do from that framework, which is ultimately quite sad because at the end of the day, again, what I want us to focus on is that there are people that are in need. And because of these rules, we can't help those that are in need based on these rules. And so we can go back and forth on the rules and try to figure it out. But as in the day, to me, that's not really an issue. The issue is, is that we have folks in need. And because the MCA has dictates, uh, we
0: can't do it. And okay. let's let's shift gears onto a few other things. obviously I, we can't touch on and name every coach, athlete, celebrity who has made a donation to a charity, one of the 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 Mayor's relief fund, um, Red Cross, numerous Sites set up for you have to different websites, etc. But kudos to I want to acknowledge JJ Watt, his name is huge, fellas. He put it out there. Initial goal of raising $200,000, and I think last check earlier Monday was close to approaching $20 million. So kudos to him,
2: incredible! Yeah,
0: that's incredible. James Harden raising a million dollars. Celebrities have donated any amount, up to a million dollars, et cetera. So if you've done your part, I commend you and thank you, salute you. It's going to be a long road of recovery for individuals, (laughs) families, businesses, cities, counties. Keep in mind, it's not just Houston that's been impacted. Beaumont, Port Arthur, Rockport, Corpus, cities up and down the Texas Gulf Coast, so it's going to be a long road to recovery. And let's not just, you know, this is nice. The are nice. been a nice few days of feel good, helping out, et cetera. But this may take people months and years to try to get back their lives, some sense of normalcy. So we have to keep them in mind as you move forward as well.
1: Yeah, I've uh, lived through, uh, live through four of heavy duty storms, uh, three hurricanes and one tropical storm, uh, starting with us uh, it's like the early 60s. Um, then along with uh, the uh, Haitian one, and now Harvey. Um, it's a, uh, for me to realize that no matter where you stay in this city, as much as it's been developed, and as much as they, you know, people talk about, you know, why you moving out to the suburbs. Everyone within Harris County and beyond found some way, somehow, by the act of the act of the storm, just basically found themselves in a situation where they never thought they would be. Uh, water to be either in your house in your neighborhood are you to be in a situation of almost being in survival mode and none of us want to be in that situation just because of what it does to the mind Uh, as a family as a person you just just have to look look ahead, move forward keep praying and wishing for the best
0: Let's take one or two steps back. This has been a while since we've had a podcast. A few weeks ago, we had the opportunity to be in Indianapolis at NCA headquarters to participate in um, a media mock selection exercise. Doc, since it was your first time participating, what were your thoughts on it?
2: I thought it was fascinating. It was a great uh, thing to experience because you really got the inside uh, and knowledge. You've seen the T.U. show, so you learn quite a bit about what goes on, and you think you know just how detailed it is. But until you are there, you really do not have that experience uh, to know it. The other thing I thought I noticed about it was that in a lot of ways that you are um, in a marketing situation, so it, it, they do a great job of, of marketing it. The NCAA does, if you will. Um, so you come in here and you understand just how big the power for the NCAA is. Uh, we just talked about it in from one way in regards to the rules that they put in place. But when you get and you travel and you experience, uh, for me, just knowing that this was a way for them to market to people um, and to, in a lot of ways, try to curry favor, uh, which is smart from a, From a organizational standpoint, um, but those are probably the two big things I got out of just how detailed it is in regards to looking at these teams and how many different mechanisms they use and rules and um, I, I can imagine those folks really get on the stir crazy going up that last weekend. And the second part again was just the marketing arm of the NCA and how talented they are and using vehicles to get the masses of people to believe more in them than not.
0: Well, Cap, any thoughts you want to add about your participation?
1: Well, they did a, the one thing that was different, uh, I noticed it was a lot more about perception of discussion, offering that instead of just, you know, like we before you and I, when you and I have gone, it's been a two day thing, and there's been a lot more discussion, a, more, a lot more of, uh, teams that are mentioned to be honest and forethought about whether they should be in the tournament or not, no matter where they were in the, uh, uh, where they were in the ranking. Because some of the teams that were mentioned, uh, especially when you had, as we discussed before we left, when you're uh, out of a conference that's a one and done, that's pretty much no discussion, and it shouldn't be. But there was always from the committee asking about perception of who would be another team in that particular conference to be thought of as a, a spot being Put open for a non—not so much a non-competitive, but uh, a team that was in second place that actually hadn't done in, done the uh, the work put out as they asked for uh, non-conference and conference play, and then get lucky in the uh, conference tournament, if there is one, and end up in the tournament. A lot more of that was being discussed than you and I, at least I did. I I thought that uh, it shouldn't be, but that's pretty much what the committee wanted to see. Had we, I guess, to find out whether we had done any uh, homework of who maybe or who may not be in the tournament at the end of the season. That was for me.
0: I miss the uh, the two-day format, more discussion, more involvement, getting a better idea of the entire process over a longer period of time for discussion and going through really all of the steps uh, longer than basically cramming it into seven, eight hours in one day. but It's all right. It, it was still informative. It still surprised me every year that I participated, how subjective it is. Despite the set criteria selection that the NCA has, different people, members of the committee have different emphasis on different parts, different criteria. So, as long as you have, as long as you continue to have that, you're going to have some head scratching decisions well, once the bracket is announced. But crew. it was it's still fun, it's still enjoyable. It's good to see people that you haven't seen since Final Four good, the network, etc., and we'll still, you know, God willing, we'll be able to go to uh, Final Four in Columbus for 2018 and, and beyond that for future Final Fours. Doc, let's jump forward to the weekend. Have some pretty big things happen in football on HBCU slash NCAA.
1: Share what happened, Doc. Doc, before you get Man. started. Before you get started, and I'm gonna just say this, and I'm gonna let it just and as I say, you just gonna roll with the flow. According to Vegas, the main book in the country of these United States, biggest upset in the history of college football was witnessed this weekend with an HBCU because they were a 40 point, 45. Dog, $40. 45, 45. 45 point underdog, dog. Dog. Doc, let it rip. Let it rip, yeah, Doc. Let it rip. So the race and Vegas got Doug's bit there.
2: Yeah, it was uh, fascinating seeing a lot of ways when you look at it like, like that. It suddenly was the biggest upset in regards to uh, point spreads and what you're alluding to is that this was the largest point spread win of the team it ever had. I thought one of the things that I jumped to first in regards to Howard uh, defeating UNLV in that matchup is you really see the arms of Howard University taking advantage of this win and they instantly put out uh, part of the slogan for the season was Mission Possible. And so they hashtag Mission Possible sent out a Twitter and sent it out to many of their alums uh, to talk about uh uh, donating 43 to 40, which was the final score of the game in defeating UNLV, as we said, 43-40. So they asked him for folks to donate 43-40 uh, to that fund. It would go strictly back to the athletes. So that was fascinating. One of the things I was excited about is I was up and preparing to get on the road Sunday to actually go to the mex Challenge in Baton Rouge, which was an intriguing trip because parts of team Are not uh, open, so we had to go around, which cost us about 40 minutes each way uh, as we went to Baton Rouge to watch the uh, Southern uh, defeat South Carolina State. Basically, a South Carolina wide receiver dropped the winning touchdown near the end of the game, 14-8, which is another game, but to get back on the Howard, and I had a chance to watch that at the end uh, as a colleague of ours Ryan McGinty is the Assistant Commissioner of Media Relations, and so his job was to make sure that information is out there. He was covering games, so he was telling me that you can go to the website and watch the streams. So I literally watched uh, just before the end of the second quarter in the second half. It was amazing how they got behind me, like, okay, the bid is over, but they made a couple of plays, and two touchdowns took the lead. Big stand. Uh, went forward on fourth down where it looked like they could pull the game out of reach, couldn't get, get it. And you're like, all right, just hold on, hold on. If you're a fan of HBCU, or, or just uh, somebody that is a fan of the underdog, you're watching the game and uh looked like it was going to be over. UNLV bust out a big run, gets almost near midfield, and uh good big time hit from the ball. He literally used the cor- clock correctly, ran the clock out. Coming back to him with a little 20 seconds. Basically, it was over as you know. He desperately tried to do some tricks to get down the field, pass the ball back, and finally was tackled. And the celebration began. So, a big win from Howard. Uh, but those that are fans of HBCUs really got excited uh, a couple of days before as we were watching the opener at Georgia State and Georgia State uh, FBS. Not quite as big a win, obviously, UNLV in terms of this point spread or an institution that maybe is more branded at the FBS level as Georgia State has recently moved to the FBS level as part of the Sun Belt. But Tennessee State had a big win uh, on uh, over Georgia State. A lot of transfers at Tennessee State, including Trayon Harris, the quarterback there, who got it done uh, 17-10. to they really dominated that game in terms of overall yardage and things of that nature. Uh, missed a couple of field goals, or they probably would have put the game early and went down to a interception after the coach from Tennessee State made some questionable uh, decisions in terms of running out of the clock. They have a chance to really melt the clock to what I just told you about Howard. But they end up passing on second and third down, effectively stopping the clock, not a – forcing Georgia State to use their timeout to let the clock run back when Georgia State would have got it 40-some seconds left, estimated, if you would. But they got it back with a minute and a half. But just to give you a framework of just how much Tennessee dominated this game, they had over 383 yards to 273 uh, for Georgia State. Um, and so they moved the ball quite efficiently. One of the games I thought that was unique about Tennessee State was just how well they tackled. When we talk about this, general to some degree in pro football, Uh, is the art of tackling. Tennessee State tackled really well, especially on the edges, uh, which was intriguing. Dominated the game a lot of wins, even in terms of D.C. 34-59-25. So, two big wins. So, there were four FCS wins over the FBS and two of them for HBCUs. So, that's a big time. Now, a lot of ways people were like, hey, HBCUs taking the next step, which is good. But really, since... At least uh, 2012, you've had one HBC program having an upset over an FBS program. So it goes back a couple of years ago. Uh, last year was A&T. overtime. A lot of people um, uh, had, had got excited about it. They got a win last year a couple of years ago, but then Cookman did it two years in a row. And so there have been a couple of FBS uh, wins out there um, in, in regards to this Tennessee State. It was their first FBS win. I the mean, same way, so new programs getting it done. So it was really interesting to see these wins in a lot of ways, and a lot of people were quite excited about it. Also, to note, uh, it wasn't just HBCUs was getting some big wins uh, and at the FCS level, obviously even more notable uh, to most fans because they're FBS wins, but the Division Two, or what I refer to often as mid-major programs, they got some big wins. It was Auburn State, uh, defeated Bardosa State. Uh new coach taking over there. That was a big win uh, in regards to that. Also at the uh FCS level, Ant uh defeated uh, uh had a big non conference win. So some big wins. Excuses were interesting and it looks like it's gonna be an intriguing season with some of these wins uh coming down as of
0: late. Doc has has um set date been announced for the rescheduled uh, PV preview versus TSU game that was postponed because of Harvey?
2: Yeah, the Labor Day Classic will be moved to the Thanksgiving week. They have not set the actual date or time. Um, They need to coordinate it with uh, BBVA, and I would imagine they're probably going to hold out in terms of the date and time. Uh, Based on fact, depending on if the Dynamo are in the playoffs and really how far they get in the playoffs, will have some determination on uh, what day they'll actually play it. And then there may be some thoughts on whether they want to go heads up with the Bayou Classic, which is a Saturday game during that week, and then obviously at a Turkey Day Classic for Alabama State, excuse me, which is obviously that Thursday on Thanksgiving. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they'll try to go on a Friday or will they go ahead and push it to Saturday. But, again, a lot of that will be based on whether um, the Dynamo, where they show the stadium with the MLS soccer program, is available or not. A uh, couple of wins I did want to name, that is A&T was 45-3 over Connor Webb. Connor Webb was kicked. They finished third in the Big South Conference, so that was really a big win. Particularly how they dominated that game, but it looks like Ante's quarterback is lost in regards to a broken bone um, in their hand. So it'll be interesting to see if they will be able to bounce back after a big win but losing some key players in that game. So that was uh, fascinating there uh, in 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 terms of that particular matchup with some non. Thomas, so I told you about Albany State at Division II level defeating Idaho State 29-12. That was a big win in regards to some of those teams. And they were noted as you have three ACCUs that are in the Division II national ranking, uh, which is Tuskegee getting it done, uh, Albany State involved there, as well as Bowie State that had a big win over Seton Hill 48-7. Um, Some teams right on the outside that you want to keep your eyes on this year that I think are very talented, Virginia State as well as uh, Tuskegee uh, to kind of keep your eyes on some programs there in terms of the big wins. On the FCS level, uh, you had Tennessee State after their big upset, top 25 program, A&T told you about their big win, and although Brownlee State lost to Tulane 44-14, they still remain in the top 25. Uh, for some big time matchups, big games this weekend too. What about Texas Southern, Doc?
0: First game of the football season. Yeah,
2: they had they started week zero, which is two weeks ago in the season. Like forever now, some kind of things that happened last week. I was really disappointed with Texas Southern. Uh, FAMU, um may give us some more indication that U is a lot better than we expected. We knew that they were going to improve. Uh, but they literally, at least on the defensive side of the ball, held Arkansas uh, as they traveled 10 hours on the bus. People kind of probably heard on Twitter some back and forth about that. Uh, but they held it on the defensive side and held Arkansas with just seven points assistance for the first quarter and 21 for the half before obviously it got away from them. Defense um, did that. But in that matchup uh, in regards to second and selling, and FAMU. Sammy dominated that game. Uh, They scored on five or had the ability basically five of the six positions. The first position they got to the three and ultimately decided to kick the field goal when they couldn't punch it in and the field goal kicker was suspended. They missed the field goal. Then they scored on the three uh, succinct um, possessions, 21 points with an extra point missed in between and then on the Fifth possession, they actually moved all the way to the 25 and went for it on fourth down as they didn't trust the kicker and was finally stopped. But it wasn't until the sixth possession where Texas Southern stopped uh, on the first half, and they threw some quarterbacks and really didn't push the envelope in the second half. But so I'm concerned about Texas Seven, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Ultimately, they couldn't get anything going, passing, uh, erratic, uh, past high. And when they would – or when the quarterback would get it in the hands of the receivers, they would drop the ball. So I don't know how much of that was that just not very talented or was really Harvey taking effect on the kids, a long trip. So it be interesting to see this Thursday as they have a home opener against Houston Baptist. But I was excited about that matchup. But now it looks like, man, the stakes may be flowing uh in not in my direction again because, well, uh, as I watched at least the first half of Houston Baptists with Texas State, they jumped up on them 9-0 and had a chance in the second half to at least make it closer as they uh, got a safety and couldn't push it in after that uh, to try to make the game a little closer but uh, they at least played relatively well against Texas State. It's always interesting in the first couple of games of the season you, uh, can't always tell the team that you thought may come in in one position. They play down. Uh, is it that team is that much better, or the other team is worse? And so you wait until like game three, where you can start saying, "All right, this is less of a, this is more of a trend, and this is really the true caliber of this team." The other big game matchup as we kind of move forward this Thursday also is down the Prairie when you have Sam Houston State, which is ranked number three in the country, and that's uh, rankings that came up today. As they stay at number three, they were last week. They traveled to Prairie View to play Prairie View and then Panthers. And because of the cancellation of the Labor Day Classic, this will be Prairie's first game of the season. Uh, while um, Sam Houston State did have to postpone the game, they ended up playing it at, at Baylor uh, last Friday uh, to get it in. Uh, they did win that game and actually beat up on Richmond. Another top 25 team, at least at the time, did it pretty well. So it looks like Sam Houston State is picking up where they left off last year in terms of the offense, Was high of the ball for sure, at least. But it uh, looks like they are able, they, uh, defense is able to be taken advantage of as they gave up quite a few points. So those are two bag matchups down here. Both teams essentially will get back to the gridiron, which for a lot of people is excited about that, both teams will be opening. Uh, first time back at home, and they'll be playing Southland schools. So this is another statement for the SWAC there to make a a statement against Southland uh, schools this week. And then you have Ramblin hosting Northwestern State. Uh, So big matchups. Last week, this past week, it was against the SIC where the SWAC ended up going 2-1. Major upset was Alabama State over Tuskegee. Fans uh, that know about that robbery understand that Tuskegee has out on the state's number and they can't do it. This is the first time that game has been played on Labor Day weekend, and this is what the new tradition of startup there. Usually, for like many years, it was played, as we talked about earlier, when you asked about the cancellation or the move of the Labor Day Classic. It was played on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, Tuskegee wanted to go in the playoffs, so they canceled the game for a couple of years. The fans pushed them to get the game back, and he did. But big wins by the CIAA and SIC, as I just told you, with Tuskegee, the Division II beating up FCS program Alabama State. You had one in the MEAC and the CIAA, of rival 20% state and Norfolk State, where Virginia State got it done against Norfolk State, winning that game 14-10. So you had some big ups with the FBS wins and some letdowns to some degree from Division II losses. So that's kind of the big, fast gas you got right now with these programs. So I'll be interested to in give you an update uh, next week as we continue to see how the picture plays out. And for at least the and SWAT, that's going to be for a birth in the celebration bowl. And for the SWAT, uh, at least in this iteration, it seems like uh, the last SWAT football championship game in Houston coming up this
0: year. Wildcat, what, what's the wager between you and Doc? TSU, what, is what is it now, Doc? Doc, what is it, Doc? I'm uh, done nothing, so
1: you're going to get two states, man, two states. Two? That's right, because I'm, I'm, I'm eight, 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 eight two. Yeah, so. you jumped in, don't forget to
2: take off the lashing, man. I don't know what like So, yeah, he was trying to get
1: to. I thought maybe you owed me thing, a couple of things. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what am I missing? I'm kind of like, they coming black. You know, it's, it's, I don't know what I eating these days. You know, how many, how much I eat. I'm just being cautious and in moderation, as they say.
2: Yeah, you got your two states last year. Remember, you shared one of them with uh, yeah. one of our
1: avid listeners.
2: Yeah. Yes, correct. Years, so, yes. Yeah, we doubled or nothing. So it's the state wages and going on this, this, this,
0: this, this time two stakes again. <laughs> Wildcat, who is going to be the next head coach of Texas A&M?
1: Uh, y'all saw him last night. Who's that? That's why he didn't take a. That's why he didn't take a job. Somebody made that phone call and said, "Les, don't uh, don't take a job yet. We might have something for you." Because I don't think anybody. It, there may be some other folks' na- Some other people's names come up, but my gut tells me I'm looking at Les Miles on the sidelines at Texas a and Next I would be very
2: intrigued about whoever they get in there from the pack that while Sumlin has certainly stumbled his way through at the end of the season and obviously by what took place last night stumbled his way from the game, uh, which was of epic proportions. But one thing that he has been able to do is his ability to recruit uh, star athletes. I'll be interested to see whoever comes in, can they maintain that? I think there's some things that he uniquely did that were able to get athletes in there. Obviously, that made the problems in terms of keeping, at least at the quarterback position, players there. Um, But uh, all over the field, they have talent. And so it's one thing to coach the talent, but before you can coach talent, can you get it there? To some degree, we see that going on down in Texas when they thought they had their miracle workers come in and he certainly laid the egg for all those fans. After those fans were so upset they started throwing things on the field. So
1: Yeah, it was, uh, that was kind of ugly, Doc. I've never seen that before. And, <laughs> that's
2: why, and that's why I was very intrigued about that. But I explained to somebody, in my opinion, what it is. And we've kind of went over it to some on this on this field. And we text about a little bit of that is that the big money people seem to got who they wanted, but I think you have a general – Fan base that believes that their voice hasn't really been heard, whether it was for strong or against strong or for this guy against that guy when you have folks that believe that they're not listened to and you are not getting things right they just get it gets really ugly from the standpoint that they just no longer really trust anybody in regards to it so I think that's going to be fascinating to continue to watch what's going on there and i although he came out with the post game and uh put some things about them getting out of their way. I'm not sure if this is a quick fix. and They have some tough matches coming up next couple of weeks, but you're giving away the most points scored at home the first weekend. I'm not sure how much things you can do that you supposedly hadn't done all year long. I mean, the first game at home and you have all this time to prepare for a team and that's how your team comes out. Wow. And this is a coach. Total- Uh, Chris can allude to this. This is Coach. yes, he had some very big wins at U of A. But he also had some very ugly losses there. Sure did. So it looks like he's continuing that trend about some ugly losses. I think the question is going to be, in a lot of ways, can he get some of the big wins? And as we've seen with Strong, he had some big wins. In Oklahoma, but down in Texas, to to get big wins and then follow with tough losses is not going to work.
1: Yeah, they, they they've gone through the process of a, a not so much accepting, but watching a five and five team, our team, our seven and five team just battle making bowl games. You know what? United, we were, all three of us have agreed on this. And UT it's about money, getting that recruit, and putting that recruit on the field. But as you alluded to. The biggest difference that folks are noticing, especially in the league, when I talk to folks uh, around the country, it's about getting their kid to the NFL. And UT hasn't done that in a while. At AM and they're getting it done. And the worst part about it is you've got Baylor and TCU that are way ahead of you, not so much in the recruitment department, but they're way ahead of you and getting guys to the league.
2: Well, I, I disagree from that, from one standpoint. I think that getting people to the league is good from a measure that knows that you're getting a lot of talent on your campus. But we see down at Texas A&M, just because you get people to the league, ultimately with college fans that are paying money, they care less whether kid goes to the league. I mean, they're happy about it, obviously, and they can brag about it. They want to win. No, so I, you I can agree, man. You, you can win with kids that don't get to the league, or you can lose it. Players that get to the league. Either way, you're going to find yourself without a job. And so I'm not so sure what that really means with getting players to the league. And I would say time will tell whether Herman can do that. Because any player that really gets to the league now was were still were strong players and they just went through the system for a couple of years. So it's not going to be for two, three years down the line if he lasts that long uh, in regards to seeing whether he can get that done. I think the problem you have at both these programs now is the fact that um, I just think there's only a few coaches out there that are able to put organizations together. I mean, you have, while we are in Texas and we focus on Texas A&M in Texas, this is the same problem that they're having down in Florida, right? This is the same problem, folks, if they live in Georgia, they talking about Georgia. This is the same program, if you live in Tennessee, they had this issue with Tennessee. Because uh, you had the same problem at LSU. You had the same problem at Michigan. You had the same problem for a while at Penn State, it looks like. They've gotten over it. You've had the same problem at USC. I think you're starting to get my point here, right? You had the same problem in Nebraska. Everybody can't win. Right. Everybody, it's just by the definition of why we play sports. Everybody can't win, and everybody wants to win, and everybody's paying a lot of money to win. But at some point, you need to be careful because if you got a relatively good thing going and, and, uh, in terms of financially able to do stuff, just because you fire a coach and you think you have who you want doesn't mean that your program is going to be able to go where it needs to go. And we've seen that play out over and over and over again. And I think it will continue to play out over and over again. Because it's more than just going out there and throwing money at the new hottest coach and thinking it's just about getting the coach in here. One of the things, the issue you have with college sports, and sports in general, whether it's at the high school, HBCU, even at the professional level, we just don't give individuals enough time to really build a program. And you find yourself in that same rut, find a coach after three or four years and trying to figure out
0: why you can't get it done. And real quick, they, before we wrap it up, Doc, how can folks find you on the Internet? <clears throat>
2: yes, they can find me on the Internet, I reckon, at com. You can get the HBCU poll rankings and update reports. You can also find me online at SoundCloud which is our podcast where you can listen or watch the radio show at dot tvcom which comes on every Tuesday, six to seven central time. And we may have announcement where we're looking at maybe even trying to extend the time of the show. And you'll hear that relatively shortly if we can get that done. Uh, But at this point we go from six to seven. Again, you can stream and listen at www.caseways-tv.com, or find in the podcast if you can't listen live uh, on SoundCloud at Dr. wills Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Or you can just follow me on the social media platforms and get a lot of this information uh, with various updates at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D R K E N Y A T T A C A V I L again, that's D R. K E Y A T H A C A V R L and that's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in regards to social media platforms.
1: Well cat, you can find me online at Facebook, Twitter, Tweetdeck at J L Woodley 1 Jerry L Woodley Jr. You can also find me at SoundCloud listening to the podcast and some input on during the week for media uh, coaches luncheons and also on Blogger, Blogspot, and YouTube at aksv VCSR, V C S R the College Sports Report.
0: All right, and we'll continue this discussion because you know we got to take shots at the Big 12 since the Longhorns lost to an average <laughs> Big 10 Maryland and Baylor lost to Liberty. I mean, that just Liberty. That's all I need to say. So I, we've that's talked a about
2: FBS program that is transitioning to the FBS level.
0: Mm-hmm. We've talked about FBS. in previous podcasts how oh, I, the Big who
2: 12. Is the at, who, who is the coach at Liberty? The find <laughs> it's Kendall Gill,
1: I think. <laughs> yeah. That's is him. is it really? Yeah, yeah so. Kendall, was, uh, Somebody mentioned uh, it this morning. <laughs> I think the so. the Kansas, yeah?
0: That's him? I, I, You mean Turner Gill? Turner Gill. Used to be in Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh. yeah. Wow. Ooh.
0: Yeah. I bet you enjoyed that victory, then.
1: Oh, man. Oh. No, oh, man. You can imagine, <laughs> but it, it goes back to if you're not ready on it. It, it goes back to, to what I've always been told, and I've found out myself personally. If you're not ready to play that particular day, you'll get your hand handed to you. And if you take your point,
2: like That's true, but I, I also think it gives you some indication, uh, also just how much they had to clean up a bail and how much looking the other way allows you to get. A, a athlete into your institution that is obviously very talented on the field, uh, but I think there's a wide gap between all that. And we have discussion and the month to be little the college athletes that can be in. but particularly when you start looking at the institutions that do it, and you further extract that all the way out and see how many are actually earning degrees, and the degrees that they earn are they actually in majors that they we're interested in taking or are they in major where people can actually have careers? I think it starts to put a different aspect on what's taking place there. Uh, and what's the difference between having a factory uh, for football players uh, and ushering to the pros when you still know that a small percent go there? And what does it all look like? Uh, one thing to kind of reach back to Texas, don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but there was an intriguing article where, that came out where a professor at the University of Texas uh, put out there and said uh, that they, Texas, and I would say this largely for a lot of institutions, particularly at the FBS level, do not have an interest in really educating kids, yeah, um, so uh, it it's, can get ugly out there. So we have to kind of keep our eyes on the picture, the big picture. And make i sure that we don't turn in the fans and make sure that we discuss and give
0: give it to the people like it really is. And to piggyback on that, I encourage listeners to scholar the internet and look up Florida State professor who was going for her doctorate. She ended up uh passing away because of the stress she had to leave Florida State. Um uh, Combination of drugs is an accidental overdose, but she left Florida State because of pressure from her department to change grades of Florida State football players, some who were involved in the championship team of 2013. doc mm-hmm. the, the name of these courses that these athletes were signed up for, uh, and, and some of the players, you know, it's all Let's say it's not, it hasn't been proven. She had documentation of it, of plagiarism and just athletes trying to skate by, slide by on these courses, get people to take the class for them, et cetera, et cetera. You know stuff we've heard before, seen and heard before from other universities and football factories. It was just the, the course. It was just sad that these courses still exist. It was like, Oh, I came and I, but I shook my head when I read it in, in the New York Times. It was like um, it was worse than basket weaving. Wow! I mean, it was it
1: was, it was hey, nothing. Nothing can be worse than basket weaving.
0: These can, well, yes, these, read these. I mean, oh my goodness! But because she has passed away, I'm not sure if the investigation is going to go any further because she's passed away. She's deceased. But, oh, it, it was just, so we're still out there. Let's not get it twisted, listeners. You know, you see you, and I enjoy reading on Twitter Saturday and, and all these, the fans, how much I love college football and college football is back and blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And I just shake my head and the amount of power and pull that the sport has, and yet, if you dig just a little bit deeper, just go under that top layer, it's just football factory at football factory at football factory for these athlete students who are being used more than we probably even realize and acknowledge and
1: no one seems to care. Right. Ah. It's it's The three of us always talk about this because it's the one thing that that was pushed in our household. It's about an education. You're not just going to school and spending money. You better come back here with something in your hand to justify what we done did around here. Am I wrong? Nope. You're correct. Because we we knew if we didn't, we knew it was going to be the end result. Because I was told the military
2: is waiting on you. (laughs) <laughs> I agree with that, Whitley, but sometimes I want to be careful in regards to pushing um, the self sufficiency that we were blessed to have in regards to a household or some of us individually taking that. But I think in a lot of ways, if we're not careful, we allow that to go over to what we're talking about, which is a system that is created in a lot of ways to disenfranchise folks. So that it's uniquely different when you are, in a family or an organization that allows you to not necessarily be used, but everybody doesn't come from those types of situations. And certainly everybody I'm doesn't have the inner fortitude to do that, but I always like to make sure that it's shaped out there, and we're talking about a system that has been well-developed that people need to recognize, and until people start questioning more about the system, it won't change.
1: I agree. I agree. Because you got a challenge. But, like KJ mentioned, if you put a dent into the system, are you ding it, and they can't get the dent out, you got to go. And that's the sad part of the whole system.
0: All right. Shifting gears now. We're, we're going to do something that I hardly do. And as loyal listeners know, what that what that <laughs> references, we're going to talk some some baseball and specifically some Astros baseball with friend and colleague John Royal joining the conversation. John, how are you, sir? Harder, You told me you were talking about Kate
1: Upton. Well, well, that too. That, it, it all ties together, John. John, I don't think he's capable of talking about that subject. So you, you know, if he didn't want to talk about baseball, he could be allowed to talk
0: about Kate Upton. You it, know, it's all tied together or whatever you want to call him, boyfriend, fiancé, uh, well, special friend is him, <laughs> is, is now a Houston Astro. So, John, what are your thoughts on the Astros acquiring Justin Verlander?
3: This is, this is something I have wanted for a long time. Um, my one fear coming into the season, one of my fears coming into the season, was with the starting rotation. You had Keiko injured, McCullers injured. The Q injured last year, um, so the rotation was a weak point. Um, so it it's one of my it's been one of, so it was one of my wishes throughout the season. Is they would upgrade the rotation and go for a guy like Verlander, who's known for being able to eat innings, which saves your bullpen, and has had a lot of postseason action. Is known for being a very good postseason pitcher. So I was very very pleased to see the deal go down.
0: But initially in July, uh, when like what what is it, John? You're a baseball guy. The first trade deadline pass came and oh. went with no move. You weren't very happy about right. the Astros not, not doing anything big.
3: That's correct. I was, I was, I was very, I was upset about that. I was hoping they would go out and get a guy like a Orlando or, um, or, just um, or study gray. who went to the, uh, who went to the Yankees. Um, or he, I wasn't too sold on you, Darvish, but uh, you know, or, or had to move like that. Uh, the Astros, they they'd been they, they, they trying to set up a deal for a closer and I just forgot the guys name. the closer with the, with the Boston Orioles but that deal fell apart the last minute so I'm thinking that they were, that was where their focus was and when that deal fell apart they weren't able to swing swing together a deal for a starter at the last minute
0: so the prospects that they gave up to get Justin do you think it was too much
3: no when it comes to when it my my theory, and I've said this before, and I got in trouble for for it. Is forget about twenty twenty. You got If you have a chance to win now, you go for the win. Uh, I I there's been a lot. I saw a lot, especially after that July trend, that July deadline. People go, yeah, we can't give up prospects because we you know we have to be prepared to win the future. But you have to go for it at some point. And this is my my theory: is you go for it now. You got chance. You have a chance to win it now. You go for it.
0: And he's how old? Thirty four, something like that. <laughs>
3: uh. Yeah, I don't have my Google up at the moment, that's about right. He's been he's been in the major since about, uh, I think, 2004. I'm probably wrong. Uh, I know Jerry will Jerry will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's been up in the major since about
1: 2004. Yeah, that's, that's about
0: right. That's about right. So that will be 10 years, uh, uh, yeah. 13 years. Any concern about him being old, broken down?
3: No. Uh, there was, not yet. Yeah, there were concerns a couple years ago, but he was pitching through. And people thought he had lost a couple of years ago, but it came up that he was Pitching through injuries, and then that affected that that, that that affected some of his um. But he got he's been he 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 got healthy, and last year he had he had a, he came in second with the Cy Young voting last year, which prompted a, a famous Kate, Kate Upton went on a tweet tweet binge when he didn't win last year. But um, but he yeah, so he he looks healthy and, he, and he's being, and he got up to a slow start this year, but he's been he's what they call a second half pitcher. And his numbers always get better as the season goes on. He gets deeper into the season. and gets into the
0: playoffs. And I did a quick check here. 34. His birthday was in February. Or is in February. So he turned 34 earlier this year. So does this acquisition, well, let me ask you and Jerry, any concern about the amount he's owed the next
1: two years? Not as a gift because if I'm not mistaken, John, correct me on this one uh apparently ludo and ludo and uh Crane uh, got together as far as the financial part of it and if the numbers worked out this year and whatever was was coming down the pike for at least next season, they were worried about two or three years from now you know when it, when it came up. but right now, as John has mentioned, it's all about right now today. This season. And if they can get there, and he's the catalyst to get that done. So be it.
3: Yeah, and, and I also think at least for this season, the Tigers picked up part of what was left in the contract for this season, so that the financial hit is not as bad. And the Tigers are talking about that, doing that back in July when they first put Verlander on the market because they knew he had a big contract. Uh, I just thought but yeah, and, and Jerry's right there. Let's see. He's owed twenty-eight million for twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. There's an option for twenty ten for twenty twenty, and the Tigers are picking up at least ten million dollars of the deal, so uh, that that helps some. Um, and and here's one thing that we can me that Houston is the fourth largest market in the, the fourth largest city in, in the United States. So you can't keep using a, a small market excuse and. I keep You hear you that hear the Astros have money. They're going to spend money when the time comes. So the time has come as far as I'm concerned. This is the, guy, this is the type of guy you have to spend it on at the time.
0: All right. Um, both I of you. Questions. Go ahead. My question for both of you. Does this put them over the hump? Does this get them to the World Series? Does it make, help them beat the Indians in the playoffs? Does it clinch the top seed, top, whatever it's called, top record in the American League?
1: The, the one thing I'm not worried about is stick right now is a series uh, between any of the American League teams just because if we went to the uh, season ended this weekend and we went to went to uh, playoffs next week, Houston would be uh, hosting just because of the amount of wins. The other thing that I'm, I'm starting to get leery of, and John, you can help me out with this, a lot of guys I started, uh, have yet to come back from injury. And here you are, September, at, at least in getting into the first week of September, as far as position players, not so much as batters, but being able to defend, speed, get, getting into the box,
3: and getting over. Well, I, I'll, I'll respond with this that Korea's back, Freeders back. Um, and so those, those are your two most important, those have probably been the two most important guys who have been injured, not pitching staff-wise. Uh, Springer's now rounding, Springer, Springer's defense was there the whole time, and his speeds, bat's now rounding back into shape. I heard, you know, they takes about 40 to 50 at bats when you've been in, when you've been out for a long time to come back. Uh, so that gives Korea the rest of and that's basically, you know, the next couple of weeks for Korea, getting them into the playoffs to get back into, to get back in, in, into form, to get back into the playoffs. Um, I asked. Um, the only the only injury aspects, Jerry, that concern me are, are still the pitching staff. I mean, McCullers is supposed to be you know McCullers is supposed to be coming back, but he you know he's had a he's had a bad health injury health history this year. Uh, will kaiko will Keiko be able to stay healthy for for the rest of the season? What About BQ? Um those are I'm more concerned about pitching staff injuries. And Chris, asked for your question, when it's puts him over the hump, it's hard to say. When it comes to when it comes to baseball, if anything puts you over the hump, the Indians were not supposed to be the team in the World Series last year. But their pitching got them got them over the top. And if anything, I think this trade makes it the Astros helps the Astros out because I would the Indians it could have been argued that most of the other teams that may make the playoffs would have had a better starting rotation than the Astros before that trade happened. Now you're looking at a possibility of doubt of Keiko being your number one starter, of uh, Orlander, who's a proven playoff pitcher being number two. And having a McHugh or McCullers is your three or four guys, um, which it may not be up there with what like, the Cleveland Indians can throw off, but it helps you a lot. That's going to be one. That'll be very excellent rotation, especially if you're never one and two guys.
1: John, let me let I ask you this
3: question. Yeah. I you
1: broke you, up there? Say that again, sir. So you broke up. Okay. Uh, the, the question I want to ask you. I just will ask both of you: all, have you, in in your time, have you seen a more dominant major league team across the board as the Dodgers are this year? Because as the Dodgers, I, Dodgers were well, I, eight. What is it? Eight, eight, eight or ten? What about it? Eight losses right about now. I'm yeah. seeing that That still doesn't does bother me just because they're so far out in front. Yeah, sure, Jerry.
3: The 2001 Seattle Mariners.
0: Who did not win the World Series.
3: Yeah, who got he got beaten the first round of the playoffs.
0: Yeah. So. Like I said. <laughs> they won 116 games and didn't get get out of the first round.
1: Yep. Yeah.
3: Um, and every
1: and were they just I mean, as good, I mean, as far as getting series wins? Because this is the regular season, but I'm looking at the Dodgers as, as somebody that's capable of getting to the World Series. I'm not looking at them to be stopped. Not well, in the National League right now. They've been stopped <laughs> like nine of the last ten games. <laughs> well, but now, but I still I'm still holding to that. standing by what I just said. I'm still looking for them to get to the World Series. I'm looking for them to win. Are the Cubs still uh, in the National League? I, I I'm our standing our, by our what state? I just. Okay. I'm I'm still standing by what I just said. Okay. I'm still looking at the Dodgers as being the team to be across the board. Period. There's
3: yeah, but that. Once again, the Indians were not the team to beat going into the playoffs last year. Um, so there's, there's, it seems like to me there's always a surprise team in the World Series. So, so remember, it was just several years ago when the Giants were winning the World Series every other year. The Giants were never the dominant team going into any of those playoffs. And they got hot. And they knocked out teams that were better than them because they had excellent pitching. So <laughs> the Cubs, the, if, the, if the Cubs have their starters healthy going into the playoffs, they could, they could easily. I can see them be, be holding the Dodgers down to no runs and winning games. Same with the Nationals. Um, I mean, the, Do- the Dodgers are the Dodgers are without a doubt the team in baseball. I, I agree with you on that, Jerry. Just as we see, as we see in every sport, when it gets to the playoffs, everything's a crapshoot. Um, there's no way. To, there's no way the Warriors should have lost in the playoffs two years ago. If they lost to the to the Cavs. Um, you know, it's to it, me. It, it, it to me. To me I just I just don't want to call I just I'm not going to call that as a guarantee yet. I do agree that I think the Dodgers are the most dominant team right now, but the you, you, yeah, Ast I, I take you back to the 1998 Astros, which were the hottest team in baseball going into the playoffs with Randy Johnson, and they and they lost they lost to the Padres because the Padres had the hottest pitcher in baseball, even though the Astros had had the better pitching staff. Uh, so I can just see so I'm just not ready to call that for the Dodgers yet. The Dodgers should. You know, I'll put the. I agree. The Dodgers are the most on the team. They probably should sweep through everything, but I'm just not ready to go there.
0: All right, John Royal. How can folks find you and read your article, sir?
3: I'm at the Houston Press. And I don't have the link up. Um, I generally, I generally have a post every Monday and Friday, though. I'm, and uh, though I'll be having a, a post on Wednesday this coming Wednesday after a uh, Justin Verlander's first start with the Mariners. Um, you can also find me on Twitter it's, um, at at uh, John underscore Royal.
0: What are your thoughts on the Cougs on the road versus Arizona? No quarterback no, been know. named yet.
3: <laughs> there's, no quarter, there, there's no quarterback yet. They may get. They may they name a quarterback Friday. Uh, there's no depth chart. There's no warrant, You know. There's no. We don't know who one or, one or two are. So it's hard to say anything.
0: Do you have any idea to- of how good they? <clears throat> what do you? Win total wise, what do you think?
3: I'd say eight.
0: Eight, eight four. Yeah, that's all right. Not good enough for
1: me, but that's what I expect, though. Yeah. Hey, don't forget what the guy said. We just try to cook and win eight. <laughs> so he he he's pretty much laid it out on the table. You need one nine wins. <laughs> I'm
3: pretty I'm pretty sure Kevin Sumlin and Tom Herman are very happy with eight win seasons right now.
1: Well, trust me, they would want that schedule. That's for sure. Yeah, because they both look.
3: here Arizona's not a cupcake. It would have been better for them to start. You know, those, no You know, if there would have been no Hurricane Harvey, it would have been better for the Cougars to start against GC, to start against San Antonio, UT San Antonio, uh, and, and get a and get a game right there under the belt because Arizona's not. It's not. It's not one of the. It's not a. It's not a glamour team. It's not one of the best teams in the football. But they are a team that could beat. They are a team that could beat a team like Houston and not struggle too much with them. They have a pretty. They have a pretty strong running game.
1: And uh, isn't Rees really
3: doesn't? Yeah, like, go, the Cougars hasn't really faced a strong running game in several years.
1: And isn't uh, uh, Ross still the coach over at, at Arizona?
3: Yeah, he's still the coach.
1: Well he's gonna run he's gonna pound it in your face, that's for sure. That that's what he loves to do.
3: Yeah. But predictions John,
1: predictions. Yeah. Uh you talking about score or just
0: win. Score's not important. Will the Coos beat Arizona
1: Saturday? <clears throat> On the road, first game out, I don't think so, just because Arizona has a game under that bell, under that belt. And you don't know what the defense is gonna look like. Uh, starting out this late in the season because this is like we don't know what the offense is going to look like either. Well, we don't know
3: what he, all we know. All we know for sure is that Ed Oliver is going to play. So yeah, well, he's but, uh, I,
1: I, <laughs> I don't think he'd be able to do it by himself though.
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I have to. I have to go with Jerry. I can see. I would say the Cougars lose um, now because I want them to, and I think Cougars have plenty of talent. I just so I just haven't been able to see the team. Oh, uh, you know we. We have no quarterback. We don't know who the quarterback is. We have no death
0: so It's kind of hard to anticipate anything. And uh, I'll make it unanimous. I agree for the same reasons. We have really no idea how they're going to look, who's going to do what. So I pick Arizona to, to beat U of H Saturday and, you know, Cougs at 0-1. Not saying that's going to be a death meal for the season, but we really have no idea of what the team has until we see them on the field.
1: That's true. It, it,
3: and hey, hey! If you start Owen Warren, they're, they're, that means they are just as good as the rest of the schools in Texas, who all, who just, who almost totally were all, all defeated last week. So,
1: let me ask a question, since we we brought up the state of Texas. At what point did Baylor and TCU make a commitment as a as players that they were going to start just beating up on? Teams and all, and become better as a unit than the two flag A uh, and M and UT. Because this has only happened in the last what ten years, ten or fifteen years.
3: But, yeah, TCU's is probably been going on about fifteen years now. I would think back back on their WAC days, they decided they decided they wanted to move, they wanted to get out of the WAC and move up to a better, better conference. That's when they started building their football team. Because so they, you know, cause they went from the WAC to the um,
0: to the Mountain West, TCU's won in their conferences. Yeah, true. They, they did, won all three. TCU did what U of H, as a U of H alum, I would like the U of H to have done years ago. Win in each conference that they are a member, build right. upon that success, build your fan base, build your stadium, et cetera, et cetera. It took U of right. H to the last five years to finally get off the behind to do stuff like that. Right. Baylor didn't turn it around until they built the stadium and, you know, Dre McClain stole all that money, and they probably sold it sold to the devil.
3: Yeah, I was um they turned around before the, before the stadium because Biles was there for several years before that. But, yeah, it was selling it sold to the devil, and, you know, we'll take whoever can play football and not worry about the rest of it.
0: So yeah, I think TCU's right. success would will will last longer than Baylor's. Baylor's starting over from the ground up, basically. Now, with Matt Rule, so
3: I like, yeah, I, like, I, I do like Matt Rule. Having seen, you know, I just, course, I only saw, saw him a couple of years in the, in, a, in the American Congress, but he just seems to, he doesn't see, he seems to be a guy who wants to build something. So you know, he's yeah. completely wrong. He's gone, he's gone to another program in two or three years. If he went to Baylor that could happen. But I see him as this guy wants to come in here and make and make it and wants to build wants to build a foundation for something. Um, but you, yeah, it's, it's it's early, and he's he's got he's got a lot of work to do because that, that Bay- mm-hmm. Bay Area is just, I think Baylor's just going to fall apart for a year or two until we can start getting things back together.
1: All
0: right, John. Yeah. Go ahead. Is there anything, Jerry, you wanted to add, chime in about Carman USA or anything like that? Rice getting well, smashed no. by Stanford oh. in
1: Australia? Anything you know? Hey. Um, two things. One, football is back on the campus of UAB. Even though it was, uh, it was against Alabama and the Swag School, which they are just happy they had 45-plus plus thousand uh, fans in the stands. Uh, they've been waiting around. Program has been up and down, roller coaster ride. They finally got made a decision. They were going to force it on everybody. This uh, starting this year. I'm happy for them. They won. Where do they go from here once conference play starts? Nobody knows, but at least they've got football back. And then the student body after, from what I can tell during media day, it's it's been a, a little buzz. Um I signed up for, uh, for uh, the uh, Birmingham News newspaper to keep up with them this season, because it'll be interesting, you know, how that all plays out, just because they're starting back. And they're starting back from scratch. It's almost like, um, H- like HBU did. You got to put somebody on the field, and you go from there.
3: And no. let me let me, and then let me go in. Uh, I think I think we'll find out this weekend what what, what how Rice's season is going to go. Game, oh man, yeah, yeah. The game the game against Stanford is that is that is that how you look at the Rice season? You look at the Rice season how they play. Play teams in their conference. They go to UTEP to play UTEP this weekend. UTEP's another team just just about on Rice's level, I think. Um, UTEP also got got defeated very badly by a by a top 25 team in its opening game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think this, I think I think this, I think this will be the true test of what Rice's season. Will be like this 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 weekend. If if Rice if Rice, can, if Rice beats UTEP, I can see them getting six. Five, six, seven wins. Maybe getting to a ball game. If they lose to UTEP, then we maybe. Then I see that, that it's possible that they're looking at a repeat of the last couple of years.
1: And that won't be kind a um, That's that's another place to getting some uh, alumni grumbling.
3: Yeah, they, they, yeah. And right has had those grumblings for a couple of years now. So, but um, I think I
1: think they're gonna follow through on this one just because uh, um, they made some changes on the coaching, coaching staff.
3: Yeah. And all eyes are on him. Yeah, um, and I, I really like David Beal. He's one of my favorite. He, he, oh he's yeah, just, he's, got, he's just a really good guy. And I like dealing with him. And Rice is probably the perfect goal for him to coach to be the head coach at. But um, I, yeah, but uh, he's got he's got he he doesn't have to beat the Kevin Summer standard to wins, but the team the team cannot repeat what it's done the past couple of years.
0: Right. All right, gentlemen. With that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you for your time, John. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk some baseball and college football with us,
3: Chris. Anytime you want it's. I see you trying to talk baseball. That was that was nice. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like
1: that myself.
0: John. I trying to branch out, but it don't make a habit of it. Don't worry about that. It's not going to be a <laughs> consistent thing. But but in all seriousness, the further the Astros go in postseason, we'll continue talking about them. Um, if that includes all the way to the World Series, I got no problem talking about the Astros and baseball. And that far along, so no problem whatsoever.
3: Okay. So, well, I'll see you guys later.
0: <laughs> thank you very, thank you very much for your time. I'm gonna wrap it up, Listen, Thank you for your, your patience. Listen to your, the podcast. Been a while since we did one. We're gonna be more consistent going forward for the rest of the 2017. I'm gonna wrap it up as I always. Do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. All right, Thanks. then. Care. I'll take care. Can I, get, can, can I go and eat now, man? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thanks. Yeah, I'll take you. Yeah, I'll take care.